When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson, Michael Remus with you. Busy one tonight, or today, coming out of last night's win over the St. Louis Blues and the Jets wake up this morning in first place in the Central Division with a bunch of games in hand on the Dallas Stars and the Colorado Avalanche. It was a, it was a great evening at the at the building last night. Obviously, there were two big topics. One was the game on the ice. The other was the visit of Commissioner Gary Bettman, as well as Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly. Um, the media conference, uh, inter- multiple interviews, as well as the um, fireside chat, I think they called it, with uh, Chipman Bettman Daily, hosted by Sarah Orleski, which uh, which I took in with uh, a few hundred fans before the game yesterday. So uh, lots to talk about today. Um, Murata Tesh of The Athletic is going to join us a little later on. We'll also check in with Moose goaltending coach Drew McIntyre, not to be confused with the winner of the Elimination Chamber in the WWE <laughs> on the weekend. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, We'll talk to Drew a little bit about the season and kind of dive into Thomas Milich's season so far um, in his first as a professional. Um, he's kind of been all over the place, but uh, now getting more starts with the Manitoba Moose. And uh, interesting to uh, get Drew's take on everything. So uh, lots to get to today on WST. It's great to have you all with us. Uh, for those of you that are with us on YouTube, Make sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Give a thumbs up to the episode. If you're watching it after the fact, we'd love your feedback. Hit us up in the comments right here. And, of course, for all you podcast listeners, thanks for making us a part of your day. When you get an opportunity sometime, get on over to the YouTube channel, give a sub, and check out what we've got going on with the video portion of the show each and every day. Um, Just before we bring in Michael Remus, Big shout out to the sponsors that make the show happen each and every day. Our friends at Cool Bet Canada just had a real fun lock shop with Dustin Nielsen and uh, Pat Gregoire. Of course, the folks at Princess Auto, Little Brown Jug, the Winnipeg Jets, Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, Sport Manitoba, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Modern Man Barbershop, Manitoba Battery, Canadian Club Whiskey, and uh, don't forget AEW Wrestling. Coming to Winnipeg on the 10th of April. Stay tuned to WST for your chance to win tickets as we get closer to the big day. Michael Remus, what's up? How are you? Oh, I just realized we're both we're both wearing gray. What's happening? Yeah, I'm feeling good here. Aren't you the guy who was on uh, TSN TV during the intermission <laughs> yesterday? King of the B-roll, bro. That was... Uh... <laughs> That was hilarious. I was, uh, <laughs> I, I, my, uh, my phone blew up quite quickly and just goes to show how many people are tuned in. I mean, uh, obviously, uh, I was at the game and, uh, as many of you were, 
Um, but yeah, and, and the timing of it, I didn't realize, I thought it was maybe just a shot. They had some crowd shot or shot in the concourse. I didn't realize they played that during the interview with commissioner Gary Bettman <laughs> when he was talking to John Lou on TSN. So not entirely sure how it happened there. Uh, there we are, me and my buddy Zolt and uh, talking to a couple fans I'd like to say, and I did spend a lot of time talking about what we heard from Mark Chipman and Gary Bettman with fans after the fan forum um, before the game. Kind of just cruised both concourses. Thanks to everyone that came up and said hi. I've got some great feedback from a lot of people on uh, yeah, just everything going on around the club. Um, the one thing that certainly was evident of just how excited people are about this team and where the Jets are at this season, um, but also a bunch of different opinions and feedback on, you know, the uh, season ticket campaign and what we've heard going up until yesterday. But most importantly, what we heard from the chairman of the Winnipeg Jets and True North Sports and Entertainment and the uh, commish. But that picture, what I was, and I'll give him a shout out. I actually went up to him because I wanted to ask him about that Hellebuck All-Star jersey he had. I was online last week, Reem, trying to find one, and uh, I could not find one anywhere. And they they did an auction, one of those NHL auctions, and one went, I think it went for like 812 bucks, like one issued for the All-Star game to Hellebuck, and I was sort of kicking myself for not getting my hands on it. But uh, he was quite appreciative of his wonderful girlfriend who ordered that sucker online the second that they came out. And uh, it was a real showstopper. I saw a couple of those at the games last night, so I was quite jealous. But uh, turned out regular, everyday listener of the program, so we had a great Jets chat. And uh, the cameras caught it for a little bit of background during uh, Gary Bettman's interview with John Liu. We got a lot of DMs. Us about a lot of tweets, messages. Uh, Nicole commented on our Instagram account. I posted on there that she got more excited when she saw you on the broadcast than when the Jets scored. So, <laughs> you know, the Jets are Jets are having a pretty good season when you're getting more excited to see us. I joked on there that you had your own fireside chat there in the concourse. And I know you I went out. I had a few. <laughs> So uh, that's pretty. I was excited. You know, that's big. Uh, that's a big spot during uh, Gary Bettman's interview with John Liu, which was well done. And I think Gary Bettman now, like us, I think he passed you in the power poll for uh, most beloved figures in Winnipeg. Hey, you know what? He uh, listen. I I, <laughs> I know Gary's got his detractors, but the dude is an absolute master. I mean, he was entertaining. He was funny yesterday. And again, you know, this is a group of people that are very invested in the hockey club. I mean, I didn't talk to everyone that was there for the fireside chat, as they called it. But, I mean, I think the majority of people were season ticket holders, ticket package holders that, you know, are very much invested in the hockey team and, and very much hoping that, you know, the uh, the trends get turned around and, you know, the organization is healthy and competitive, as, you know, we heard from Mark Chipman and Gary Bettman moving forward. Um but he did get a nice ovation. Um, he got some applause with, on a few of his answers. And, I mean, he does have a hilarious sense of humor um, and plays it up quite well. I mean, he can play the heel when he needs to in some of the larger NHL events. Uh, but I think there are a lot of people that, you know, recognize 
Gary Bettman's role in getting the NHL back to Winnipeg. So more so in this market than I think a lot of other places, he's got some fans and he was, uh, he was eating it up yesterday. And again, we'll play what Bettman had to say for folks that missed it a little bit later on. Um, and the one thing I am hoping to get, um, and I, I texted Sarah Orleski, and if we can't get it today, we'll hopefully get it for tomorrow. Um, because I don't believe the fireside chat is up on any of the social channels. But, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, the job at hand and what True North needs to do moving forward. And, you know, I, I've talked to for a lo- uh, quite a bit about, you know, just some level of, you know, accountability for some of the mistakes that have been made and opening the door for people to come back. And that's certainly been happening one-on-one behind the scenes, as we've talked about, with, you know, with Mark Chipman himself making calls to some people that they lost in the past. And I thought that the last answer um, from one of the fans that submitted questions um, about a message to ticket holders or lapsed ticket holders for Mark Chipman was, I mean, the most important two minutes of the entire day yesterday from, from my uh, perspective. And I thought the answer had a lot of uh, acknowledgement to the missteps. It had um, plenty of humility, which honestly Mark Chipman is known for. And it struck the exact tone that I think a lot of people that have maybe been rubbed the wrong way that still love this hockey club needed to hear. So I'm hoping we'll have that at some point, maybe today, maybe tomorrow, um, because that is the one thing that I think a lot of fans did not get to see or hear, uh, but not for lack of uh, other sound bites and opportunities to hear from Mark and, of course, Gary Bettman as well. And, you know, I, and Reem, I didn't know what, you know, so much of what was happening elsewhere yesterday. And, you know, we talked about Gary coming in and, you know, kind of connecting with the corporate community. Um, shout out to our buddy Derek Honer who's a, a great loyal WST listener and has uh, been out to our events before. I got a chance to chat with him at the end of the game. Um, and he's a Wawanisa employee. And the commissioner, Bill Daly, Mark Chipman, went and did, I would say, probably a similar sort of presentation for about 100 or more folks from the Wawanisa organization yesterday. Um, and certainly from talking to Derek, the feedback was uh, was was very good there. Um, and as I, I overall, I think it was a very good day and an important day for uh, the Jets, knowing the work they have ahead of them um, to try to uh, reverse um, the trends and the erosion of their season ticket pace and get back. And uh, I'll tell you what, we'll kind of get to some of those clips from Bettman in a minute. Um, certainly the hockey club continues to do their part, Reem, as uh, the Jets go out, backed by a great game by Loren Brassois, beat the St. Louis Blues and move in to first place in the Central Division. Now winners of seven of their last eight hockey games. Yeah, I mean, let's just take a look at the standings here. We haven't really basked in the glow of the standings for a while. It was, you know, they felt, you know, they lost a couple, but seven of your last eight, and there you are there in the we Western go. Conference. By points percentage, uh, .693. Vancouver lost in overtime yesterday. Uh, Dallas did lose to Colorado and Colorado won. So there they are. They're ahead. And yeah, we can sort by division. Thank you. There it is. 79 points. Four games in hand on Dallas. So that is a big one coming up on Thursday. But as the Jets just keep rolling, five straight at home. Talked a lot about getting secondary scoring. Uh, Sean Monahan uh, from his spot there. Uh, I thought it was called the slot, but apparently it's the bumper now. I don't know when that changed. 
on the power play, but that wasn't a power play goal, but Ehlers uh, found him and he just wired. What a pass by Ehlers. Yeah. I, I mean, he had, and had a great play to set up the IFL goal. I mean, that dangle uh, to the middle, uh, shooting just wide and IFL on the doorstep. So that line uh, looking very strong, uh, you know, in a 4-2 win and Kyle Connor continuing to score goals as well. You know, maybe Joel Hover could have, could have had that one. I mean, that's an elite shooter uh, going down the wing. We've seen him do that before. So, Snipe uh, City, 81. Well done. I mean, that's that's what he does. I, I know I'm kind of going down the list here, but Brandon Dillon setting a career high in gold. What a rocket uh, oh. from the point off the draw. So they're certainly rolling, and Lauren Brossois standing tall. I don't know. How many games does he need for the Jennings? We got Because we got to start doing this Jennings watches, both goalies, elite, elite numbers here for the Jets. Well, I, I mean, pull it up right now. I mean, uh, goals against in the National Hockey League. The Winnipeg Jets, 135 goals against. Florida Panthers, 142 against. And the Jets have to play two more games. Now, they're certainly averaging less than three and a half goals against. So on a goals against per game basis, the Jets are still first place. Um, but they'd love to. And I think they still have work to do to get back to that elite five-on-five defensive juggernaut that they were for the better part of the first half of the season. Um, But as we mentioned right now, I mean, the Jets are in a great spot, second overall in points percentage. Um, And just as far as the division goes, um, they are at the top of the Central Division. And we'll get to this Dallas game tomorrow. Cannot wait for that. Um, But tied with the Dallas Stars and have four games in hand on Dallas – and are two points up on the Avalanche and three games in hand on Colorado. Like I was talking to the Cool Bet guys earlier. We didn't have division odds right now, but I mean, with 25 games left in the season, the Winnipeg Jets are a significant favorite now to win the Central Division based on where they are right now in games in hand. And uh, I mean, it's one of the great stories in the National Hockey League this year. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Yeah, you know, we've made a lot of re- wrestling references here today. We have Drew McIntyre on. We talked about how Gary Bettman is a fit baby face in Winnipeg, but a heel everywhere else, kind of like a Bret Hart in 1998. And now we have to see the Winnipeg Jets finish the story and win that, <laughs> win that division title that they didn't win in 2019. Uh, this is their time. They're pointing to the, the division banner. Sign yeah, if there like was like the road to WrestleMania, if there the was road one, to the Central Division finish, title. Finish the story. We need the banner <laughs> at Canada Life Center. Uh, they were playing really well, Austin. And just some numbers. I mean, the power play didn't get it done last night. Oh, for two, they had been red hot. The, pe- the penalty kill, pretty good. They were perfect, three for three. But how about some numbers? The Jets scoring first again, twenty-five, three and one when scoring first. That's four straight. Uh, where they. <laughs> They scored first. 3-0 and against St. Louis this year. And how about this? We've talked about the Jets all year, how they don't allow three goals or less, but the key, scoring four or more. 23-0-0 when scoring four, which is a pretty crazy... I don't know what the record is on that. Uh, most games won when... You know, record when scoring four or more, but that's got to be up there in NHL history. And again, uh, they put the clamps down in the third period. There was some talk about that, you know, how they... Given up some leads, but they are 28 1 and 1 when leading after two. Uh, just some incredible numbers from this team that, yes, number one in the central well, division. 
And while we're talking about the Central Division, how about this? 16-3-1 in the division this year. Yeah. I mean, this is absolutely... And and let's not forget 0-2 at home against the Dallas Stars, which leads us to this game tomorrow night. It's a little bit of unfinished business and an opportunity for the Jets to, uh, I think, make a real statement against the team that they are tied with in points, albeit have plenty of uh, plenty of extra games to play. Stars got pumped last night in Colorado, 5-1 by the Avalanche right now, but uh, Dallas still two points up on Colorado, and uh, the Winnipeg Jets tied with them, and again, with those games, uh, those games in hand. Um, speaking of a couple of other numbers as well, um, Josh Morrissey continues his brilliant play. 10 assists since February 20th. Third player in Jets history with multiple assists in four straight games. And uh, Morrissey's feeling it big time right now. And uh, we're getting very close to cashing that over that we hit on the Josh Morrissey points at the start of the year. Touch wood, everything continues going the way we're going. That should be a good one. And uh, obviously, uh, all of our Jets props looking pretty good right now when it comes to uh, the cool bet lines. But we'll hit that a little bit later on. Um, And Jamie Thomas also dropped this yesterday. KFC, first player in Jets history with three straight game-winning goals. Of course, he had the OT winners in the the, uh, Chicago and Arizona games on the weekend and then got the winner uh, last night. And again, we'll talk a little bit more, and we'll get into a little bit of post-game reaction in a minute. Um, but you mentioned that second line. And Nikolai Ehlers with the absolutely beautiful pass to Sean Monahan for the big goal in the first period. And then um, I-, I loved Alex Iafallo's game. And I know and Iafallo's been one of those guys that's played literally on every line this year. Um, but recently he had been spending most of his time on the fourth line with, you know, probably less minutes than he'd had earlier on, but, you know, wasn't seemingly making as much of an impact. I, I got to say early results. And again, small sample size. I really like the way he fits with Monaghan and Ehlers. And, uh, and he is such a puck hound. Um, he's good defensively. He's great on the forecheck. He's got an awesome stick, and it ends up turning the puck over. They did that a few times yesterday. And then you get it to Nikolai Ehlers, and he is able to do his thing. Um, you know, We'll see where things go forward, Reem. I'm not sure what your take is on this, but um, I think that the swap of Perfetti and Iafallo has certainly helped that second line right now, and uh, AI taking advantage of his opportunities so far playing with 23 and 27. Yeah, um, I I totally agree with you, Huss. You know, Cole Perfetti, you want to see him in a more top six role, but that's certainly not working out right now. And so he put him on the bottom, and, you know, he had some nice passes yesterday, Perfetti, setting up uh, Nino. Uh, But, yeah, I follow. He's fit in really well, and I kind of like it. You have different style players on that line, and, you know, maybe Perfetti wasn't working out, but, hey, they need the secondary scoring, and it's certainly certainly working, and... Monaghan now has, he scored in what, five, uh, sorry, six goals in the last, uh, sorry, what is it? Um, six goals, yes, in his last five games, 19th goal of the season, first assist last night, so that second line is working, but I think the top line, you'd like to see more, and they've done really well in the real goals section, but in terms of the expected goals, I think they got a bit outchanced uh, yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I guess that... <laughs> 
I don't like you know. It's hard to hard to get to bent when the team's won seven of eight right now, and we're talking about a first place matchup with the Dallas Stars tomorrow. Um, but as they say, I think there's still work to be done uh, as the team moves forward to you know get back to or to be ready for the style of playoff hockey coming up. And tomorrow might be the best test of them all, getting on the road to play the Dallas Stars. By the way, thank you to Sam Crow for the super chat. WST, acknowledge your tribal chief. <laughs> LOL, gotta love it. Um, but let's hear from uh, Bones on the game last night, and we'll hear a little bit about uh, Brandon Dillon as well. Uh, we'll start with 21, Remo. I mean, uh, let's give credit where credit is due. LB, another monster game. I mean, backup goaltending, not easy. Sometimes you go a considerable amount of time between starts, and Lauren Brassois has just been nails almost every time he's gotten the call from Rick Bonus, and uh, he certainly did it again last night. Here's Bones on his starting netminder last night. Yeah, he was great again tonight. Uh, he, he's been very consistent with those level of play. The, after the first couple of games early in the season, he's been wonderful. So we have no hesitance at, at all to put him in the net against anybody. So uh, tonight's a divisional game. It's a big game. But as we said earlier, like when we signed him, we wanted to reduce Bucky's workload. We're doing that, and we're getting great goaltending from LB. So we have no hesitance you know, to put him in the net. Um, and, 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 you know, and the one thing, uh, you know, I, I think I mentioned that somebody was uh, all over Wade Flaherty in the decision to play Hellebuck in the last game on Sunday. And, um, you know, I kind of said, you know, chill out. This is going to be LB's game on Tuesday, almost for sure. And the most important thing about where the Jets are in the standings right now, Remus, and this is a far cry to what was happening last year at this time, is the Jets sort of stumbled onto the brink of missing the playoffs is that, I mean, last year they played Connor Hellebuck 13 straight games at the end of the season because for all intents and purposes, the playoffs started for the Jets at the beginning of March. Very different scenario right now, and they'll have the luxury of um, being comfortably in their playoff spot and give LB some more starts. Not that there's been a big drop-off in play at all um, because I think there is a worry that you know, if you if you grind Hellebuck too much, especially down the stretch, what does that do for the playoffs? And uh, listen, they put themselves in a really good spot to uh, lessen that workload and, and give Lauren Brassois some very deserved more starts in the next uh, 25, uh, 25 games. Um, we talked about the second line. Looked really good. I loved Iafalo's uh, contributions last night. Nikolai Ehlers looked great. And Sean Monaghan, what an addition he's been. Here's what Bones had to say about that line. They were good the first night they played together. They were very good again tonight. So uh, you got two very reliable players, and, and Sean and Alex, and uh, it gives it gives uh, Nick a little more freedom out there, and he's, he's better on that left side than he was on the right. And the, right now the the line looks really good. We wanted, you know, from day one since we got Sean, we're trying to get that chemistry on that second line. That's very very important as we move forward, and uh, so it's that, that lines look very good. Uh, you know, I enjoyed uh, Ayafalo's post game as well. You could tell that, I mean, like a- a- any player on the club, and there's still a few guys that are right now mired in pretty long scoring droughts, dating back to you know that seven games where the team as a whole only scored seven goals. Um, but you could tell the excitement that Ayafalo had contributing the way he did last night, scoring a goal, and uh, you know having early uh, really good results playing with two very talented players in Monahan and Ehlers. Yeah, and it was uh, Nikolai Ehlers yesterday compare. Sorry, it was Sean Monahan comparing Nikolai Ehlers uh, to Johnny Goodrow. Just you know how they move similar 
uh, east-west and these smaller, shifty guys. And, you know, they're certainly finding that chemistry. And uh, Sean Monaghan has, you know, carved out a nice spot there in the middle of the ice and just ripped that shot and see him do that on the power play. And I think the Jets put out a put out a highlight reel of all his goals with them. They're all, you know, from, like, the same vicinity. And I don't know that's what you wanted, a secondary scoring. And there's already some... Extension talk, I think, on running the fan base saying, ah, keep Monaghan here. He's the second line center they need it. And I know health has been a concern with him in the past, but it doesn't seem to be like that right now. And, uh, you know, it took a couple games, Hus, for him to get his first goal, but uh, they're certainly coming in bunches. And, you know, on the whole, he's among the Jets' leaders in terms of points this year. So, what well, great season for Sean Monaghan and for a guy who's a free agent after this year. He's in a really nice spot where you're on a, you know, Top team, they're getting some playoff time. He's got hey, forty-two points in uh, fifty-eight games. So uh, this is working. This trade is working really well uh, for the Jets. You do wonder if they add. They're going to be adding more here as we head. You know, ten days away from from the trade deadline. Huss. So uh, ni- nicely done here by Chevy with the Monahan at seven points, nine games. And and here's I'll give a this tick tap to our buddy Frank Saravalli who was uh, giving uh, some love to, uh, I guess, TSN 690 Habs commentator John Goyens, who, um, I mean, this is just, I'll read the text from Frank. I mean, I don't want to brag, but our guy nailed it. He watched Monaghan so closely with the Habs, recognized he'd be a perfect fit for the Jets' power play in the bumper spot. Listen to these power play numbers before and after the Monaghan trade. Forty Before, 47 games played, 15.7%, 24th in the league. Since then, nine games played, 30.8% success rate, fourth in the National Hockey League. And I think I had said, Remo, around the side of the trade that, you know, we don't expect Monaghan to come in and completely turn the power play around on his own. But if he could help move it up just from that bottom third to average in the league for the rest of the way, it would be a big, big improvement for the Winnipeg Jets. Well, they've done that and so much more. And, you know, while correctly, there's been a lot of talk about some of the five-on-five numbers, um, the power play has been lethal since Monaghan's got here. And uh, that's been big for the Winnipeg Jets. And uh, we'll see whether that power play can keep going tomorrow on what should be a feisty affair against the uh, the Dallas Stars. Um, how about the captain-on-captain captain fight in the first period? I'm a big uh, I love these captain-on-captain captain fights here. <laughs> That's uh, pretty awesome. I don't, wasn't really sure what that was about. Um, but I don't know. I met this, like, Adam Lowry. He's dropped the gloves kind of frequently. I'm kind of getting worried. They need, they need him on the ice. You don't want to see a guy getting hurt. But, uh, hey, two captains, you know, two guys dropping the gloves. Does get you excited. Does get the building to their feet, but I don't know, Adam Lowry, I don't want to see him fighting too much. He fought, yeah, the on Sunday against Kesserling, who I don't know. I don't I don't want to see him fighting Kesserling. I don't even know who that is. But uh Braden <laughs> Shen, yeah, go go toe to toe, sure. But again, you don't want to see I don't know. I I see him in New York. They're talking about this Rempe dropping the gloves. I don't think Lowry's in Rempe uh territory, but you want him to be you want him to punch a helmet. I always say about these fights us. They're wearing helmets. They're wearing visors. You got this much room to get a clean shot in. So be careful out there, Lowry. Lowry did rip to the uh, to the dressing room right after that fight. I'm not sure what he had to get done, but 
um, ended up getting back into the uh, ended up getting back into the box and um, helping his team move on. Here's actually Bones um, talking about Murat. Murat asked a question uh, about Lowry and Monahan being on the ice together, taking key defensive zone draws, and if that's sort of a bit of an indication as to how things might roll going into the postseason. They pulled their goalie early, and there's a lot of those D-zone draws, and now you have Monaghan, so you're running him and Lowry together, Lowry and Shifley together. Is this kind of a dry run for the stretch run or playoffs? Like, Do you yeah. imagine that in your mind? Yeah, that's what we need going forward. It's not just it's Thursday night, too, the next game. Uh, it's nice. I mean, you want to try to have two sentiment out there at the end like that, and it's nice to have on that left side to have Sean and, and Adam out there for sure. And it looked like you gave quite a lot of uh, time for Dylan and Pionk for that. What did you see from them battling? Yeah, well, they're they're very reliable. They were having an outstanding game tonight, so they should be on the ice. Is that the defenseman equivalent of rewarding guys that were scoring or yeah. something like that? Yeah, having a good game, you, you got to be on the you got to be on the ice. All right, so uh, one more from Bones. Uh, we can't not talk about Josh Morrissey, who uh, you know was out helping the organization on the streets with some. Fans, along with Mark Scheifele and Mark Chipman, uh, the day before the game on the off day. Last night, he was out keeping his torrid scoring pace going with a couple more assists. Here's what Bones had to say about Josh Morrissey's 11th helper in the last four games and on the play of the fourth line. He was creating a lot of offense earlier. We just weren't scoring any goals for him. Uh, so, it, you know, we monitor the chances for and against very closely. And he's always been up there in, in terms of creating chances for us. So, yeah, it wasn't going our way offensively for a while. But now the puck's going in and he's making great plays. And on creating chances, the fourth line, Nemesikov had a great chance late in the game there. What did you see from Perfetti, Nemesikov? Yeah, I like that line. Uh, again, you know, they we're trying to give them some quality minutes because of the schedule that's coming up. Trying to reduce the schedule, the, the workload of the top two lines. Adam's line's going to get their, their customary 15 to 17 minutes. And we're trying to reduce the workload of those top two lines. And we need that fourth line to give us that 10, 12 minutes. All right, so there's Bones. Great question from our guy, Connor Rabchak, there in the postseason scrum. And just to clarify, it's 11-5, and five, and I believe 10-4. and four. Bottom line is Josh Morrissey has been very, very productive lately and uh, hitting the overs on some of those point props night after night. Um, Brandon Dillon had a big game last night, set a career-high in goals. But before we hear from him, Todd, in the career-high, here's what he had to say about the way the team uh, you know, played in the third period to uh, preserve that victory. Yeah, I thought we just got in their ozone. We were we were turning pucks over through the neutral zone, and um, we know the recipe for us when we're when we're playing well. We're uh, first uh, two periods were a little bit, I think, too uh, too high event hockey. They were you know end to end and back and forth, and we know how good of a team they are off the rush and how much skill they have. So I think once we you know started to respect that, um, you know, use our size, grind it out down there, um, you know, we we saw the the success we can have. All right, there's a Brandon Dillon. Uh, T. Conopoly has now entered the chat with a super chat. Thanks, T. Conopoly. Again, that Lowry and Shen fight was a carryover from the 55 fighting incident last year. And yes, VL should be in the lineup to help out Lowry and Dillon. And then adds, Cody, keep the Rock's name out your mouth. LOL slap. A, a, a vintage. <laughs> Tikona Pauly super chat uh, on it. Um, uh, back to Brendan Dillon though. Um, he uh, had an absolute nuke to uh, get on the board, setting a career high in goals. Uh, here's what the uh, big Jet defenseman had to say about uh, setting a career high. 
Feels good. Um, uh, yeah, I might have jinxed myself after I missed that wide open empty net a couple games ago. Um, <laughs> but I, I think, uh, you know, it's just been, been a lot of fun to have the success we're having this year as a group. Um, you know, I think everyone um, is, is reaping the benefits of, of how well we're doing as a team. That confidence leads you to call your own number on that face-off before your goal? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, usually I'm just trying to get the puck to, to all four of those guys that are uh, a little more skilled than I am. But uh, in that play, I mean, Scheif went right back to me. I didn't have to move. And, um, you know, I just put my head down and fired it. All right, Brendan Dillon. Um, Dillon had some actually some really good audio afterwards. And here's a couple more. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about the team maybe not playing their best. I think we can all agree. We've probably seen full 60-minute efforts better than, you know, they've been doing throughout this winning streak. Um, but Brendan Dillon kind of expanded about winning games when they know they're not playing their best. How would you describe this team's ability as of late to kind of, you talked about not liking the first two periods, changing up that third. How would you describe this team's ability as of late to kind of feel its way through games and basically do the things you need to do to come out of those games? Well, that's just it. We're we're not really happy with how we've played the last few, um, but we're getting wins. So I, I think that's a credit to us. Is you know through 40 minutes to come in here, regroup after the second, and say, hey guys, like that's that's not us. You know, we're we're winning the game, but we've got to lock it down here. Um, you know, I think our third period is by far our best period, and um, you know we're able to to really just buckle down and. We know if we want to get to the ultimate goal, which we, we talk about in here, we've had since training camp as our goal, um, you're going to have to play You know, some of the skilled teams. You're going to have to play some of the big, physical, veteran, grindy teams. And um, you know, I thought we've done a good job of that. But um, it's got to be a good lesson for us. Um, I think last year we learned, uh, you know, we were losing these games last year in the second half. We were finding a way to lose or you know, letting that one goal go in or that really bad turnover at a certain time. So. Um, I think it's just, you know, credit to all the guys in this room here, you know, all four lines, um, all, all 60, you know, we're, we're understanding the situation. Um, and like you said, we're not playing our best, still finding a way. Uh, some real good stuff from Brandon Dillon. And uh, he sort of expanded a little bit more on, um, you know, the, the marathon that is the 82 game season and, um, you know, managing the grind. I mean, Bones and the whole coaching staff done a great job of, you know, like the days off and, and, you know, kind of feeling feeling when we need those kinds of days as opposed to a hard practice day where we need to work on our systems. And, you know, that's kind of when the video takes over. Like, I think looking at March, we got something like 16 games in 30 days or something crazy. So um, I, I think for us, like we all know individually when we're at our best and, you know, not to say that we're all playing horribly. I, I think it's just little times of the game, you know, where we're maybe turning a puck over or, you know, it's a penalty that kind of gives the other team some momentum where, uh, you know, I, I think we're just really gaining some valuable experience here that we know and, you know, we know how good of a team we are because we're able to, to pull off these wins too. Well, uh, speaking of pulling off wins, they would love to get one tomorrow and get one back on the Dallas Stars, strengthen their hold on first place in the division. And um, I would suggest that they'll need to be near their best if they want to get two points out of Dallas. Brendan Dillon looked ahead to Thursday night and uh, the game against one of his former clubs. Yeah, well, I mean, they've come into our building here and won, won two games against us. And, you know, they're they're one of those teams I talked about. They're the veteran, um, you know, really structured. They're well coached. And, um, you know, they're, they're not going to be those 8-7 games. They're going to be these tight playoff type games. And um, I think whether you're playing Arizona or St. Louis or whoever it's been lately, uh, we, we've, we've had no easy games. You know, we go in Chicago, it's a 2-1 game. Um, you know, Arizona here comes in, plays really hard against us. So we've, uh, you know, we've been playing a style that we... we 
we know isn't going to be successful all the time. Um, but it's just been for periods. You know, it's not like we've been horrible for 50 minutes and found a way. We, it's just you know spurts of the game that we, we know we can clean up. And um, you know, I think overall these divisional games are you know St. Louis. They're in a playoff playoff chase. They're they're hungry. They're they're desperate. And um, you know, I thought we handled it well enough tonight. All right. So there's Brendan Dillon. And uh, hey, one more from Dillon. Um, you could see how pumped the guys were for Alex Iafalo to get that big goal last night. Um, he'd been in a bit of a slump, and uh, Dylan talked about uh, AI getting on the scoreboard. Oh, well, you know, Donnie does so many good things for us. Um, just a Swiss Army knife. I mean, I, I think that the biggest credit that you can give and compliment is whether he's on the first line or fourth line, he's, he's impacting the game, uh, you know, positively. And, um, you know, I know for forwards, everyone loves playing with him. Um, he's a guy that, you know, you're just hoping he was going to get one to go. And, um, you know, he had that great turnover he caused in the uh, in the second period, I think that point blank chance from the slot. And I think the entire bench got up for that one. And then uh, when he's able to, to, you know, get a big goal for us there at a great time of the game. Um, just super happy for him. Uh, Rewa, did you know that Alex Iafellow's nickname with the fellas is Donnie? No, but uh, I love, like, they asked, he was like, oh, he sounds like Tim the Tool Man Taylor there for a sec. He's like, oh, Donnie here. Oh, oh you know, Donnie does so. <laughs> I just, I, I don't know. It just shows uh, the love for that guy. But we need, to, we might need to know more with this Donnie <laughs> nickname. I'm not, I don't know what it's from. Uh, there were some people speculating on Twitter. I see Isher Boy Bruce says Donnie Osmond. I don't know. That would be maybe before, but I, we'll have to find. We'll have to figure it out. But I enjoyed it. Hey, it's not like I have Falzi or something like that, right? That's hard to say. That's so. I'll give credit. Creative nickname. I like it. Yeah, it's something different than just adding an eye on guys' names. We're uh, we're certainly here for it. All right, we're gonna hear from Commissioner Gary Bettman in just a minute. Um, Listen, I'm really excited to see everyone for our event with Canadian Club tomorrow. Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey at the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame. We're going to be watching the Jets and Stars after a whiskey tasting seminar with some of the Canadian Club ambassadors. It's going to be great. Eric Music, shout out to Eric and everyone else that's coming, fired me a DM wondering you know, if there's some sort of a dress code for this. And listen, I know some of like the whiskey uh, festival events Maybe you're a little bit more business type attire. Not tomorrow. We're getting together to watch a game and have a good time. Throw your jersey on. Wear some Jets gear. Um, I think I, I'll be rocking the Slamberg again tomorrow. So uh, it, it's getting a lot of wins lately. I'm kind of keeping it right now because I have been consistently wearing it to games and the Jets are consistently winning in it. So, um, yeah, don't worry about putting on uh, your, your uh, nicest gear from F Apparel. Um, throw a jersey on, come out and have some fun. And uh, thanks to everyone that uh, supported the event. And we'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Uh, of course, when you're hitting your Manitoba Liquor Marts, check out the Canadian Club display, Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey. And remember to always enjoy responsibly. Um, Alex Iafala was a real battery last night for that uh, that second line. Uh, ended up getting on the score sheet. Um, but in a lot of ways, he has been uh, a bit of a spark plug. And when we're talking about uh, batteries, you know Manitoba Battery is the place for all your battery needs. The best prices in town, period, bar none, beating the pants off the big box stores, supporting local business as opposed to the big box stores as well, with the best service in town as uh, Donnie and the gang will deliver your batteries to you anywhere inside the city of Winnipeg perimeter 
for free with any purchase over 60 bucks. It's just that easy. For all your battery needs, Manitoba Batteries, your spot, manitobabattery.com, 204-783-8787. And until their new location opens, you can always visit them at the original spot, 1026 Logan Avenue. And, uh, you know, while we're getting together tomorrow, if any of you guys really want to uh, really step your game up for our event tomorrow night, maybe you make a trip down to Modern Man Barbershop and get a new cut just in time to get together with the gang. Uh, whenever you need a haircut or uh, some grooming, Modern Man's there for you. Eight locations in Winnipeg, including the two new locations, standalone events at uh, Pemina Highway and on Plessy Road. Uh, and Modern Man's got you covered, guys, with a variety of grooming services, including haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Um, simply make an appointment and book your look via modernmanbarber.com at the location nearest you. And you can always follow them on Instagram as well, at Modern Man Barbershops. All right. Uh, last night, uh, the game was great, but I think probably what was most interesting uh, and anticipated was what we were going to hear from NHL commissioner Gary Bettman. And again, there was a lot of doom and gloom when, uh, you know, this visit was announced and I get it. Uh, we all understand the situation the team is in right now. Um, but I thought Gary Bettman came with a uh, very positive message. And uh, well, here's his opening statement yesterday uh, when he met the media in Winnipeg. I think there was a lot of speculation as to why I was here today and even what I'm thinking in anticipation of being here today. Uh, this is a place, Winnipeg, where hockey matters. Uh, I believe that this is a strong NHL market. Uh, I believe that ownership has made extraordinary commitments uh, to the Jets, to this arena, to the downtown area, involving hundreds of millions of dollars. And I'm not sure why people are now speculating that somehow they're not going to be here. Uh, at the end of the day, we could go through a litany of reasons that either are true or speculated to be true as to how the attendance situation got to where it is. kind of doesn't really matter because teams go through different ups and downs. Uh, I believe that the season ticket base and the attendance will evolve back uh, to where it was. I was quoted in 2011 saying uh, for this to work well, the building's got to be full, and that's true. And I know that uh, Mark Chipman and David Thompson aren't interested in just surviving in the NHL. They want to thrive uh, along the lines of how the team's playing this year. And this will get sorted out. Uh, I don't view this as a crisis, but I do believe, as with any team in any market, there needs to be collaboration uh, between the community and the fan base and the club. And I believe ultimately it will be here. All right, so there was the opening statement from Gary Bettman yesterday. He also uh, kind of expanded on the messaging that he was delivering yesterday to the media, to the fans yesterday, as well as in the community and the business community leading into last night's game. Messaging today, we sat on a number of panels with Mark Chipman and with Sarah, and we answered questions and addressed what was on people's mind. But the message is no different than what I just said in response to the first question. 
You want to add anything to that? No. We, you know, listen, obviously the attendance needs to improve, but it, it will. I have a confidence in the organization, and as importantly, I have confidence in this community. All right, so there's uh, the commissioner, Gary Bettman. Um, much more um, coming up from uh, the commission, including um, Gary was asked about deadlines and you know, kind of went back to saying he has uh, full belief that Winnipeg is a strong hockey and NHL market. Mark isn't issuing any deadlines. Uh, he's focused on what he can do to make sure the fan base is maximally engaged, and I applaud the effort. But again, we're not operating under the sword of Damocles or on a razor's edge. This is part of the evolution of what franchises sometimes go through. Uh, I remember a number of other Canadian franchises, for example, some of them considered to be small market, where the season ticket base aged out and they had to go rebuild it with younger fans. It happens. Let's be clear about something. Okay, I believe that this is a strong NHL market, and it will adjust. All right, so there's a little bit more of the commissioner, Gary Bettman. And, uh, you know, listen, he spoke about, you know, the, uh, the community, what they're doing in the, uh, you know, connecting with the business community, trying to improve and raise the corporate support of the hockey club that, you know, wasn't there at the start for obvious reasons, the drive to 13,000. Um, but did kind of expand on the commitment of ownership here, focused on Winnipeg and the real estate development around the arena that's such a big part of the uh, plan to bring our downtown um, up and into the future. For anybody suggesting that the agenda for ownership is other than focused on Winnipeg is silly. Because at the end of the day, look at the hundreds of millions of dollars they've invested in the team, in the building, uh, in the building that they've built around here, and what they're going to be doing on the north side of Portage. I mean, that's why I'm, I'm, this, I'm kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Mystified at the tension that seems to have developed here. And by the way, this is a team... When they, if they make the playoffs this year, which looks like they're going to, would be six out of the last seven years. Their cap team, the star players who had an opportunity to go elsewhere decided to stay here. Those are the substantive things that deliver the message that everybody seems to be focused on. Uh, so Commissioner Gary Bettman yesterday, and of course the Deputy Commissioner, I wasn't aware that Bill Daly was going to be here. Then I saw him roll out with Gary and Mark Chipman for the chat with Sarah, um, Daly popped in and uh, talked about the, the Jets being a model NHL franchise. This is a, a team that's widely regarded uh, around the league as a model franchise. Uh, well run from top to bottom, uh, has a competitive hockey team, puts a competitive hockey team on the ice, spends to the cap, uh, but also invests, as Gary mentioned, in the community um, and all, all their charitable initiatives and, and uh, investment uh, in the city, so this is uh, this. We, we wish we had 32 of these. Um, more uh, more positivity from uh, the National Hockey League, and uh, Bettman mentioned. I mean, maybe this was part of the warm welcome that he got from certainly the fans that were there. Uh, if he didn't believe in Winnipeg, the NHL would not be here. If if I didn't believe in places like Winnipeg, we never would have bought the Jets back. In addition, the industry growth fund 
in terms of grassroots initiatives, whether it's the Hockey Academy or Camp uh, Manit- Manitou or whatever the other things that we've we've invested over six million dollars. So we we stand by our commitment, and we're greatly gladdened to see all of the work that's being done at the grassroots level. We we're here, meaning the NHL, because we want to be. Yeah, I don't have anything to add to that. As Gary said at the start, I mean, hockey matters here, and that's important to us. Um, so Winnipeg matters to us. And the Jets matter to Winnipeg, so everybody matters. <laughs> uh, everybody matters. No kidding. Um, uh, Bettman did explain, and he was asked about Mark Chipman's uh, quote, that the not going to work long term where they're at right now with their season ticket base. What I believe Mark means by that, uh, and I think he's been pretty clear because I've heard him say it repeatedly, he doesn't want to just be a member of the NHL. He wants a team that has the foundation for success. He wants to be competitive every year. He'd like to bring the Stanley Cup to Winnipeg. And so if the team is going to have the resources and the ability to compete at the highest level uh, and spend to the cap as they have, uh, it's be important for the building to be full. Um, obviously, there's unique challenges in Winnipeg, being the smallest market, having the smallest building, and uh, the commissioner uh, talking about a franchise needing robust support from all areas to um, you know be successful. What you want to do is have a franchise that has robust support from all of the places that support comes from, whether it's the business community buying tickets, whether it's the business community advertising and promoting uh, and activating around the club. And in that regard, uh, the club has gotten, I believe, very robust support. You also want to see buildings full. By the way, I think the players want to see the building full. You know, for somebody who spent a few weeks in the bubble watching our game in empty buildings, our players, our game draws an enormous amount of energy from fans in the building. And having a packed building obviously gives you more energy than a building that isn't packed. So 15% corporate support is robust? Well, no, no, no. I was talking about the advertising. The way the season ticket base got created is probably an anomaly because they sell out in 15 minutes. Um, And so there wasn't a need or an opportunity for corporate support at the beginning. But again, that's where I started. How we got here doesn't matter. It's how we evolved from here. And I have every confidence in this market and this organization. Yeah, and I mean, that's an important thing to note. And I know a number of people go back to that. And I think there's an opportunity with that to uh, engage the business community and get more companies on board um, in that, I mean, we all remember the drive to 13,000. I mean, they wanted to do it as fairly and as equitably as possible. And I think we can all agree that the Jets said with the amount of demand there was for tickets, you know what? We feel it would be in our best interest to uh, save 40% of our seats just for businesses and fans that all want to get tickets. We're only going to sell 60%. They would have gotten murdered. So, um, you know, it, it unfortunately... Um, led to a bit of a bubble bursting with the amount of uh, groups for whatever reason that kind of fell off and a number of other people with that. Um, but I think as we've heard from the organization and from Gary Bettman going forward, um, you know, hopefully that's an opportunity 
for the team to uh, re-engage some companies that maybe weren't able to get seats originally, uh, get them in and uh, be a part of the organization and the uh, investors, if you will, and stakeholders uh, moving forward. Um, here's a little bit more on um, just that topic. I believe this is 10, Remus, on uh, mm-hmm. you know the lesser corporate support by the numbers here in Winnipeg and uh, why that is. Well, they didn't, they didn't ultimately have the opportunity. If you remember how this started in 2011, we announced on May 31st, May 31st, yeah, May 31st that the team was coming. And a day or so later, it was go to your computers and sign up. And individuals did that in a way that kind of precluded at the time corporate purchasing. And if they had it to do over, Maybe they would have held back four or 5,000 tickets and sold them as part of corporate packages. They didn't, but that's history. So we are where we are, and we move forward. All right, a little bit more from the commission. Um, you know, this is now a process. We're well over 10 years back in the National Hockey League. He said there's been ups and downs, certainly some significant challenges, both pandemic-related and non-pandemic-related, and um, spoke to uh, the uh, belief that the community will adjust. But the pandemic, you know, that's it. Again, it doesn't matter how we got here, okay? They, we, you know, some people say people don't like to come downtown at night. Some people say <laughs> the team's performance should have been better, even though it's been pretty darn good. Some people say the season ticket drive initially was no good. Some people say it was the pandemic. All our clubs have dealt with the pandemic and it may have impacted some markets more than others. But again, we are where we are. So we focus on the fact that we believe in this market, ownership believes in this market. This is a strong organization that will do what it needs to do to adjust, and I believe this community will adjust. Uh, Gary Bettman, Commissioner of the National Hockey League. Here's one more from Bill Daly and speaks to revenue sharing and Bettman said no concerns about the franchise whatsoever at the Board of Governors level. I think our, our revenue sharing system is is well established and, and we vet it with the, all our clubs on a regular basis and and uh, um, you know it's really a function of league HRR and, and how the numbers come out so I don't think it, it comes to the scrutiny of whether you're filling your building necessarily or not um, you know, there are many factors associated with, with how much revenue sharing the team gets. And if your question is somehow suggesting or implying that at the board level there's a concern about this franchise, the answer is absolutely not. And one final uh, quote from uh, the commission. Uh, it was a message to fans and a note about, and this is something he was asked at the, uh, the fireside chat or the fan forum, if you will, uh, about potential NHL events in the future for the city of Winnipeg and the organization. Get over your anxiety and come to games. No better way to deal with anxiety than rooting for your hometown team. Uh, actually, when that hotel across the street finally gets built, I think we'll have a better opportunity to focus on the draft. We need a little more hotel space. I That building, the new hotel, got hung up during COVID. I understand the spring they're supposed to start constructing it, and then we can figure out what to do. That, of course, is uh, in reference to the Sutton Place Hotel, who uh, had construction begin uh, and then stop cold in the uh, middle of the pandemic. There is work, I believe, going on right now, and uh, the uh, belief is that in earnest this spring that project will be all systems go. And at that point... 
potentially we may see an NHL draft in Winnipeg at some point as per the commissioner. All right, we're going to get to all of this with Murata Tesh. Um, but as we continue to move on, and this will be a topic that is um, not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, listen, I heard from lots of fans that are, you know, thinking about uh, either getting back in some seats or looking at some other options. The Jets have got a pretty great promo right now on considering where the team is in the standings, knowing what is to come in the spring, and that is playoff hockey. And if you would like to put a deposit down on a 2024-25 uh, seat package, you'll be in for priority access to Stanley Cup playoff tickets. Uh, the information's all at the Jets' website, but get over to winnipegjets.com deposit and find out more about the We're All In promo moving forward uh, to help raise that six-season ticket base and uh, get people willing to commit to next season priority access for whiteouts and playoff hockey at uh, at the downtown arena. Um, looking forward to having Murat on. I do want to thank Wallace & Wallace. Uh, speaking of long service to the city of Winnipeg, Wallace & Wallace has been the overhead door specialists and fencing experts for over... 60, 70 years since 1946, they've been doing it. And springs around the corner, we'll see their fences and trucks all over the city. But it is important to note right now with the temperatures going up and down and up and down, this is the time that Mother Nature puts the most stress on your garage door. The right time to prevent downtime is now. Give Wallace and Wallace a call to book your maintenance and inspection service call today. For residential and commercial overhead door sales and service, there's only one name or two you need to know, and that is Wallace and Wallace. Uh, big tap to our pals at F Apparel as well. Guys, if uh, you're looking ahead in the calendar and realize you need to up your menswear game, head on down to F Apparel. The guys will take very good care of you. Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. If you are tying the knot this year or uh, standing up for a friend in a wedding party, talk to the guys at F about a 15% discount when you get your suits at F Apparel. Don't waste your money renting tuxes. Get a great made-to-fit suit that you can wear on the big day and beyond at a great deal at F Apparel. Um, talk to them about it at 190 Smith Street downtown. You can find out more online or book an appointment to pop in for a fitting at F. That's E-P-H Apparel. Uh, dot com. And uh, just before we bring in Murata, shout out to our friends at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. Can't wait to get out there in the summer. Hopefully at the end of a long, long playoff run. Of course, uh, bookings for the 2024 season well underway and filling up right now. If you're looking for a world-class fly-in fishing experience where you can be on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg, enjoying world-class fishing and hospitality from the Aikens team, Find out more, AikensLake.com, on availability for 2024. Make sure to check out all their socials at Aikens Lake. All right, let's welcome in Murata Tesh from The Athletic. Lots to get to today. Murat, how are you? You know, I'm doing well, Huss. I got to say, um, let me let me continue to shill for one of your sponsors. I actually just had a fitting with Epp Apparel earlier this week. The customer service was great. I'm not getting anything bonus for, for saying no. that, but I had a nice time. And the other thing I want to say before getting into the meat of it is that Winnipeg is an amazing city. Um, I just, you know, I just posted a, just a funny tweet about Alex Iafalo being the most likely jet to survive a grizzly bear encounter. And one of the people that commented had a familiar name. And I like, I, I just thought, where do I know that from? 
DM'd him and, and his wife was actually one of my favorite bosses ever at the University of Manitoba over 10 years ago. And it's just so cool to be part of a city where if you stick around for long enough and you invest yourself for long enough, like people come out of the woodwork, you know, you're connected to everybody in some sort of way. Uh, the five degrees of separation is pretty darn cool here. And I'm I'm having a nice time being a Winnipegger today. I'll tell you that much. Well, you know what? I appreciate that. And shout out to the guys at F. They always take great care of all of our uh, listeners and friends that pop down and see them. Um, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because there is a, we always talk about Winnipeg being one degree of separation. Everyone knows everybody else. There is an element of it being a big, small town. Um, but at the same time, we're an NHL hockey market, and there's a lot that goes into that. And certainly that has sort of been the framing for a lot of the conversations we've had leading into, I think, a very important day yesterday for the organization. Um, I know you were at the media side of things while I was in the bowl with the fans. I'm interested in just your um, thoughts on what we heard yesterday from all the parties involved, um, considering a lot of the angst and obviously a very sensitive topic for Winnipeggers that... Um, you know, have a, um, well, a very unique history when it comes to professional hockey here in the city of Winnipeg and in the National League. Yeah, I think the unique history is worth acknowledging, right? It's it's going to be tough to approach any situation like this if you have a memory of your heart being ripped out from from within you in, in the mid-90s. It's, it's a feeling of deja vu for a lot of Jets fans in a way that uh, that I think probably made the last several days very difficult. Anytime that you have, you know, someone like Mark Chipman talking about a 27% decrease in season ticket commitments and the idea that the machine won't be sustainable in the long haul without improving that, well, you don't have to go too far back in a lot of people's lifetimes to, to remember a whole lot of pain. At the same time, I think that one thing was clear, whether it was Chris Johnston's article, whether it was my follow-up, you know, this wasn't a situation of, hey, there's a threat to move the team. Um, but I think everybody wanted to hear what Gary Bettman was going to say about it. Was he going to play good cop? Was he going to play bad cop? I mean, there was one theory that he was going to show up and, you know, Mark Chipman was going to get to, to do the good cop stuff with the, hey, look at all everything we're doing. Here's how invested we are. And Gary Bettman might, you know, show up and talk about the harsh economic realities. It was very much not the case. And I think that one thing that was made just incredibly clear was how much the the league believes in True North's ownership, in True North's investment in downtown, in the amount of commitment that there is to this city. And it was probably reassuring for a lot of folks to see the season ticket issue reframed as a bit of a blip more than an immediate, you know, 10 alarm, five alarm fire sort of situation. Yeah, I mean, it all certainly depends on your perspective on it. I mean, I know that if you've Listen, if you're inside the walls of that organization and seen what's happened, I mean, it probably does feel that way. And I think there is a real sense of urgency, um, which speaks to the work they've been doing throughout this season leading into this campaign to kind of reverse the erosion of that season ticket base and get it back to a place where this team can be competitive and healthy for uh, for a very long time. I'll be honest. I mean, I wanted to hear what Gary Bettman was going to have to say but I really do think the most important things that are being that need to be said are, you know, from the stewards, as Mark Chipman said, of the club, and that is from True North Sports and Entertainment. And I know that this hasn't been out there yet, um, because this the the fan 
portion of the event and i don't think any of the media were there maybe some of the folks came out and caught it caught it afterwards um you know there were some pointed questions that they actually did have in it about you know messaging to fans that they had lost in the past and um, I just was texting with Sarah Oleski, and we're going to get a, a clip. And I, I personally think, and I've talked about this before, the most important thing that needed to be said to, you know, some of the people that, for whatever reason, had felt that, you know, maybe they weren't appreciated or that had left the club that had the ability to be back, that probably do want to, um, was about a two-minute clip from Mark Chipman at the end of the fan bit, um, which spoke to, you know, their responsibility for some of the things, um, you know, a frank, a, a humble way of essentially apologizing for some of that and hoping that people will give them another chance moving forward. So uh, we're going to get that. Sarah's going to send that over because I don't think anyone else has really heard it. And I think it's important for, well, from a positive, I mean, if you want to see this thing move forward, that's something that I think there's a certain portion of the fan base that they lost that I think we'll hear. And I mean, I like, and I had, a, I had a great conversation yesterday with a friend of mine that's in the restaurant industry that, you know, was one of those people that had an experience that sort of put them off and they didn't have seats and they hadn't really been supporting for the last number of years, but they still love the team. They go to some games every now and then. And I likened it to a, uh, you know, imagine you've got a favorite restaurant that you're really invested in. You go through there and now oh, maybe there's some personnel changes or whatever. And you have a couple meals that you don't really like. And then you have a bad experience that really turns you off. Um, you still would kind of love to go back there, but maybe on principle for a while you're staying away. And, you know, if you turn those tables and if the people from the restaurant say, listen, we're really sorry you had that experience, but we appreciate your business. We missed you. Would you give us another chance to uh, sort of earn your trust back? And that was in a different way. I'll just use that analogy of what it was, although with much bigger stakes and a bigger invoice um, that we heard from Mark and I think was necessary. So we'll have that later on. Overall, I mean, I have to admit, I mean, listen, you know me, I'm a positive person. I want to see this work out. It's in everybody's best interest for the team to be healthy. And frankly, just putting my fan hat on for a minute, the games are a hell of a lot more fun when the building's full than when there's two or 3,000 empty seats. I felt a lot of positivity in the building yesterday, and maybe that's because of the fans that were there probably feel a lot along the same lines of me. But, you know, for, from your perch, Marat, in the people that you've talked to, the reaction from what you heard at the media, would you categorize that as a step in the right direction and a positive day overall for what the Jets are trying to accomplish? I think so. I mean, if, if the answer is like, is there uh, some positive feeling or some positive momentum that I'm perceiving? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. My, my big thing has some, I should say from my press box perch as I was making sure that I got, um, got my pieces out on time and everything was, was straightforward and, and set. Um, I did hear that, that Mark Chipman bit that, that you're going to share the clip of. And I think that that's really important because I think that your analogy about the restaurant is bang on. Like, let's talk about the, the reality of Winnipeg Jets season tickets. The idea that such a high percentage is individuals. And sure, there's community businesses and things like that that chip in on that too. But it's individuals. It's not giant corporate interests. If you look at the decline, it's in individuals. It's in a couple thousand people having that experience at the restaurant that you had. It's, it's the restaurant analogy, but at scale. If you look at the times when Winnipeg has sold out its buildings this year, you can immediately point to real life human being, non-corporate, but just like 
Winnipeg are reasons why the building was full or not. So you've got Connor Bedard, you've got Sidney Crosby, uh, you've got a December 30th game in the midst of a lot of people's winter holidays against Minnesota. Like there are easy, easy ties to make between real life lived human experiences in Winnipeg and the attendance in that building. So your point about the apology being important or a sense of, hey, we didn't get this right. I mean, you can only do that so many times. This is, I think, the first and biggest and most major version of that the True North is offering to the community. And I think that is so necessary. This is a series. This is a scaled series of one-on-one relationships between a franchise and its fans. And I think that the more they manage that, realizing that there are these individuals at the other end of it, uh, because that corporate interest thing, that's going to be a a longer-term work in progress. The more that they manage those relationships as if it's one-to-one, the better that they're going to do. I think that that's fundamental to success in Winnipeg. So that sense of, of positivity that people maybe feel heard in a way that they haven't feel heard, um, the cynics will probably paint over that, but I think that's one of the biggest things to come out of yesterday. Yeah, and, and I mean, listen, there's a, you're never going to have 100% um, support. I mean, there will always be naysayers for for whatever reason but i mean particularly when we're talking about the people that had already been investing in this club i mean you know, to get them back to to say that you know the there are more options for you to be able to support this club maybe in a different way that you were able to before a different way is you know is important and i'll just before we move on to the game i, I mean a, a lot of this from my perspective comes from personal experience and i, I will tell you I mean, I was one of the first employees of the Moose in 96. And that first year, you know, you're you're coming out of losing your National Hockey League team. And there were so many people that had seats before with the Jets and the team moved and they're like, whatever, we'll get Moose seats for the first year. And I mean, the first game, the place is full. We lose one nothing. shut out by Paris Doofus and Vegas Thunder. And, you know, we're just sort of like, are you kidding me? And the team sucked. And there was still that hangover of losing the team. And, you know, that next offseason, without a doubt in my life, was the biggest challenge I've ever been involved in, trying to give people a reason to stay with this, give the season another another chance. And, you know, there was a lot of people that were done. They didn't have a good feeling going to the arena because, you know, frankly, it brought back memories of something that they were still having a hard time getting over. And those conversations with people... And again, it was very different. They didn't really feel, I think, slighted by the organization or anything like that, but it was more the entire big picture of how bent they were and how they didn't have a great time at the games last year. And like the one-on-one conversations that I had with my customers and relationships saying, please hang in there for one more year, give us another chance to try and move this forward. It will be great for the city and all of those things. And I mean, I lean on that in so many different ways of, you know, just communicating with people and understanding, you know, a lot of that transaction, the transaction of a relationship and the give and take. Um, And I'll always be appreciative of the people that, you know, looked me and said, okay, you know, get out of here. We're in for another year. Um, But that was a big part of the way that that team was sort of built up from such a low after that first season to the point where they were a flagship AHL um, team that ended up going into the National Hockey League. And I think they're sort of leaning, they have to lean in on a lot of that to uh, to do the hard work that needs to be done in the community to get this thing going in the right direction. The one thing they do have going for them, Murat, 
is a team that wakes up in first place right now in the Central Division. And with uh, Colorado waxing Dallas last night, you know, the Winnipeg Jets in first place, tied with Dallas, with four games in hand on the Stars and two points up on the Colorado Avalanche with three games in hand. I mean, I know there these have not been perfect games by any stretch of the imagination. We can sort of dive into that a little bit more. But the Jets have earned themselves a pretty nice spot in the standings right now. And just based on the numbers, with what's left, the extra games the Winnipeg Jets have, um, this central division is there for the taking for Winnipeg. 100% it is. And that's one of the uh, it's one of the storylines that's, you know, gotten lost. But I think the fan passion is high. So I, I continue to see the critiques of the first line and, and certain elements of the, of the team's play it underscores the fact that the floor for this team is much higher than a year ago. It's kind of funny talking about deja vu of having a team taken away. Well, Winnipeg Jets fans have deja vu of about a year ago, um, a little over a year ago now. The team's quality of play drops. It's finishing desserts them, and all of a sudden, a great start erodes, and um, they're, they're limping into the playoffs. Thankfully, for a Jets fan's sake right now, um, they're getting finishing. They're getting goals. They're getting power play goals. Sean Monahan's looked like a good fit. There are warts. There are problems. The top line gives up a lot um, in terms of scoring chances in the other direction. They're still fiddling with lines and chemistry, though they seem to be leaving lines one and three uh, alone. There are things for the Winnipeg Jets to work on, and they acknowledge it. it. You know, you heard Brendan Dillon after the game last night talk about the fact that they're happy to be winning despite not playing their best hockey but they're very much in this fight. They're very much, when heading into Dallas uh, tomorrow, they're in a legitimate opportunity to take the Central Division, to to hold on to that lead. And, you know, even heading into the trade deadline and beyond, I mean, these are two teams that are probably going to have an awful lot to say about Western Conference balance of power down the stretch. Well, and, and I mean, I know we've talked about this before, but the carrot to finishing first in the division, and even better, first in the West, is getting one of the wildcard teams, potentially the second wildcard team. Meanwhile, allowing the Dallas Stars and Colorado Avalanche to beat the living hell out of each other in a seven-game series in the, the first round. Yeah, I mean, again, speaking of having a long memory in Winnipeg, we remember the 2019 sort of struggles down the stretch where all of a sudden you got to play the red-hot St. Louis Blues because the Winnipeg Jets gave up standings points and standings positions heading down that stretch. It has it has an impact, and um, you know the Western Conference is deep. There's a chance that that team that they end up playing could be you know LA if they figure their stuff out, or you know another quality team. There, it's not automatically a cakewalk. But if you ask me, I actually think that Dallas and Colorado are almost getting underrated in terms of how much how much I'm hearing fans maybe respect or fear or or what have you how good those teams are. If you get that scenario where you're talking about where Dallas and Colorado were going toe-to-toe, I think that's a very good outcome for Winnipeg. Well, there's still a lot of work to be done. And I love the fact that Brendan Dillon made a point of bringing up when asked about the game tomorrow night, uh, remembering earlier in the season. I mean, this team is 16-3-1 in the Central Division. Two of those three regulation losses were right here in Winnipeg against the Dallas Stars early on in the season. And... uh, you know, he mentioned that they do need to continue to like raise their level of play. They're still not really where they're at. They have been finding ways to win. Um, but I would imagine that there'll be some guys that really feel like they owe the Dallas Stars one when they get to that arena tomorrow night. 
Yeah, I think that, I mean, they'll have it circled on their calendar. They know the stakes. They know, I mean, the sense of pride that will be at stake as well. I think one thing that Dallas has done really well against Winnipeg, though, is play a patient game. You can counterpunch against a team that doesn't play uh, perfectly for 60 minutes at a time. And I mean, what team does play perfectly for 60 minutes at a time? Good question. We're going to ignore that. Winnipeg does give up moments. And I think that Dallas, uh, compared to a lot of other teams, has been better at making Winnipeg pay for that quarter second or quarter shift uh, coming off of their game than other teams have. It reminds me almost of Vegas last year during the playoffs. Even when Winnipeg was controlling flow of play for stretches, there was this sense, this instinct, this gut that said, when Winnipeg makes that mistake and Vegas transitions the other way, Winnipeg's going to pay for that. And they did over and over again. There's a sense in my mind that Dallas is one of those more patient, committed, dedicated teams to their own structure that can hit the Jets with a counterpunch and a counterattack and can weather some of the Jets' storms because the Jets are such a good team in their own right. And I think that's what makes tomorrow's game so interesting to me. The Jets are quality. They are finishing. They are creating chances. But with the lines as deployed right now, they're also giving scoring chances up the other way. Uh, the, the back checks are not as dedicated as they were earlier in the season or at different stretches. So as much as I think everybody's going to size it up as a 2-1 game or something like that, one of those close one-goal situations, there's a chance there's a lot of offense in both directions too. Um, Murad, I know there's been a lot of discourse about uh, blowing up, well, not blowing up, but making changes to that top line despite the fact that they've been scoring at five on five, although giving up quite a bit, and certainly as a combination being lethal together on the power play. Um, but I wanted to ask you about the second line. Now that they've made the move with Perfetti and Iafalo, uh, AI got a goal last night. Nikolai Ehlers looked very comfortable and is really getting a connection with Sean Monaghan. I know we haven't seen this line together for a long time, but what have your early observations been about the new look of Ehlers Monahan with Alex Iafalo? I mean, big picture, it should be a reminder to everyone that if you're talking about point production in the NHL, context is everything. Alex Iafalo goes 20 games without a goal. He goes up to that line, looks good, creates some scoring chances, gets a goal following up on Nikolai Ehlers' missed shot yesterday. That's a contextual thing. You know, Josh Morrissey all of a sudden cranking offensive numbers while the power play is producing. If you are looking at players' points as an indication of their quality, do your best to consider the context that they're playing in as well. So I have follow on that line. I think does add some two-way grit, does add some physicality, adds a little bit of forechecking element as well. Um, I think that that looks like a fit early. You heard Rick Bonus talk about how he's a reliable player. Sean Monahan's a reliable player. And that lets Nikolai Ehlers play a little bit of jazz and freewheel a little bit more on that line. I think early returns are good. I think that that line could outscore its opponents and outchance its opponents on, on a long-term basis. I also think it's kind of funny when you refer to Ehlers as a, as a non-reliable player because yesterday he was dominant, and he also had a shift where he gave the puck away about two or three times, and it led to a quality chance. And it's one of those situations where I think the fact of the matter is one of your stars who, if he had a different context, would probably outscore some of the players uh, on Winnipeg's top line, can dominate while also playing a chaotic game. And I think Rick Bonus is fixated on trying to balance that out, and I think Monaghan and I follow are, are 
checking those early boxes in terms of bonuses perception. Well, I mean, Monaghan has been, I mean, such a great ad. And we were going through the power play numbers pre-Monaghan and post-Monaghan. And they're, I mean, literally, the power play is more than twice as effective as it is since he's been here. Um, but I, but I, I follow in particular, he intrigues me in that, I mean, he is just such a puck hound. I mean, he he is on it. And, like, I'm not sure they're going to be looking at him to be this dynamic setup guy but you saw it last night. I mean, using that stick, being in the right spot, winning battles, he turned the puck over in the offensive zone, got it to those other guys, and gave them more time to allow a player like Nikolai Ehlers to do what he does best, and that's make things happen in the offensive zone. Yeah, I mean, when you have two out of three players on the line that you can, like, neither of Monaghan or, nor Ayafalo, they're not burners. They're not high-speed uh, players just torching up the ice, and I follow. I think has better foot speed than Monahan. The lines that they take, and the the quickness of their stick when they're knocking down passes, the the angle, the effort, the commitment, and then the I guess the hand eye or the battle level to to knock those pucks down. It's been a really clear strength of Monahan since he arrived. I think we all notice it in I follow when he gets promoted up the lineup. Again, context and points. Remember, I think he got four assists playing on the top line in one of his early games there. Um, but the thing that never leaves him is that effort level and that willingness to, to to get on that four check. And I think that that is a big reason why that line can work. If you put the puck in, you know, a player's like a player like Ehlers' hands often and you win it back often and, and Ehlers gets to, to like fire up the ice, I think a lot of things can work out. Is that the best deployment overall of Winnipeg's many, many quality forwards? I'm not sure. But if they're winning their minutes, and I believe that they can, then I, th- I think that's going to be – it's going to lead to success, to be sure. And it's going to create a line that Rick Bonus trusts perhaps more than he has other versions of the line. Um, I got to ask you about your thoughts on Cole Perfetti and uh, his predicament right now. I mean, you, you feel for the young man. This is uh, the most hockey's played in the NHL. Sort of has hit a wall right now and now finds himself – playing on the right wing of the fourth line. And Rick said, well, the reason why he's there is because we're trying to keep him in the lineup. Um, um, first of all, thoughts on how he looked with his line mates last night, but um, you know, just where he's at right now and uh, what needs to happen for him to um, feel better about where he's at and uh, start you know, maybe making more of an impact in games. I honestly think rumors of Cole Perfetti's demise have been greatly exaggerated. I actually think that this is a situation where the storyline and the potential, you know, we have Rick Bonus talking about keeping him in the lineup. I think that that is happening so disproportionately to the things that he's doing on the ice. Um, the, last night is a situation, if you can picture just at the end of the power play in the second period, Ehlers goes cross ice to Perfetti, Perfetti to Niederreiter, and Niederreiter gets a great, uh, great scoring chance. I think it's the third period as well. Perfetti uh, turns over a puck, fires it off uh, off Niederreiter in front. Hofer just gets a glove on it. Nemesnikov gets a partial breakaway chance. Perfetti's creating a play that leads to that. First shift of the game, offensive zone turnover. He tracks back towards the, the offensive blue line, lifts a stick, gets the puck back into Jets' hands. Winnipeg regroups, goes back up the ice, and creates a, a long offensive zone shift. This is a situation for a player where he's doing a lot of right things, He's not getting paid for it. And at his age, his level of experience and clout with respect to the other Winnipeg Jets, the fact that he hasn't produced, and the fact that visually he's a slower and smaller player than the other guys, I mean, when you don't produce, you do get bumped down the lineup. And that's a that's a fact. That's 
uh, a fact, and it is fair too, especially when you see Alex Ayapala jump up and he scores right away. That's a realistic thing. I just think that the fact, I think that the quality of his play and the likelihood of coming out of some of these games that he's had without points is making him look like a worse player by virtue of his zero goal, zero assist stat line than what he's actually doing out there. And I think that to isolate on Cole Perfetti shifts, I think you're seeing a lot more quality than results. So whether he comes out of the lineup uh, as bonus seemed to intimate is possible or not. I actually think that he's a, he's going to, he's going to rebound. And I think that he'll continue to be a big part of Winnipeg's future. Um, you know, all that being said, Marat, we are nine days away from the trade deadline. Um, this team is clearly in a great spot moving into the playoffs with what they've done so far this year. There's an opportunity to potentially win the division, and I think there is a hope and a belief that this team can have a nice playoff run and potentially contend in the West, and who knows, maybe for the big prize. Um, how do you see things shaking out in the next nine days? And um, if you could put yourself in between Kevin Sheveldayoff's ears, what is the general manager looking at and thinking that might be um, options for him that make sense for uh, the cost it would take to acquire? Yeah, for me, my uh, let's start with my impression of what maybe Winnipeg would be interested in right now. I think they want to flesh out their defense a little bit. Um, Schmidt and Stanley sort of in um, sort of in a rotation uh, coming in and out of that sixth spot. And that's seven defensemen that I think that they feel like they can more or less trust. I think that spot implies there's a there's a job opening should they be able to acquire somebody. Chris Tanev would be at the top of my wish list in, in a lot of ways in terms of fit for the Jets. Although um, I think Dallas actually might be I reported as the front runner. I'm not sure how that bidding war will go. Um, but I think that Winnipeg would like to, to supplement their depth there. And I think a lot of folks have said, you know, I posted a story at The Athletic this week about defensive options, and folks should check that out. Um, who out there is genuinely better than, than Schmidt or Stanley in that role? And, you know, there are a fair pe- number of people who can influence that spot. The other thing to remember is that over the course of a playoff long playoff run, pardon me, that is as long as Winnipeg wants it to be, uh, you're going to need more than six or seven defensemen and a couple of different looks. So, you know, one name that on the end of the roster in terms of veteran presence, a cup, um, uh, and the ability to, you know, not necessarily have to play every game because he's not a top four defenseman. Eric Johnson holds some interest uh, on that end of the the spectrum. I think if Winnipeg could get its way, though, uh, they would look at a player with more term than a pure rental. If they can find somebody who's got two years, maybe even three left on that deal and play top four kind of, help Winnipeg now and in the future. I think that's more of the dream. And I know Jacob Chikrin's name gets thrown around. I still don't understand why Ottawa would move him despite their depth. Uh, But that's the type of blue sky scenario. The other thing, just to quickly acknowledge too, is that the way Winnipeg's running its lines, you've seen Alex Iofalo have that major impact with uh, with Monaghan and Ehlers. If there's an upgrade on a player like that available, for a price that Winnipeg can afford. I think that's a blue sky thinking. I'm not expecting a, a high-end top six forward to arrive, but that's the one spot where, okay, now you can imagine I follow bumping down to the lineup. Maybe if bonus doesn't trust Perfetti at this stage of his career for playoff hockey, he can come in and out of the lineup. And all of a sudden he can keep that top line that he loves together. Well, you know, you can see the line of thought anyway. I'm not sure if that's as realistic, but I think it's maybe a consideration to have. 
Yeah, uh, as I said, it'll be an interesting week, and it's been very quiet. I mean, those two early trades, the uh, move the Canucks made and then the Jets uh, moving right after that on Monaghan um, has really sort of in some ways quieted the market, and we've been talking about the same sort of players. But, you know, as you look right now at the standings, you know, there are, uh, I mean, a number of teams, including the team that we just saw yesterday here, that are sort of, you know, needing to make decisions in the next week or so. And I would say that, you know, the the play of the Blues and the Wild, Calgary, um, over the course of this next week may determine whether they are legit sellers, standing pat, or maybe jumping in on uh, the buying. Uh, the one thing we do know is the Nashville Predators are on a heater right now. I mean, they've really sort of taken that spot, grabbed it, and have given themselves a little bit of cushion over the other chasers. Yeah, that's a situation to watch. And I think the bubble is an area to pay close attention to. If you remember when um, when Philadelphia, everybody's talking about a Philadelphia trade. Well, all of a sudden, they're still in the playoffs somehow. And they might still move players, but they're still in the playoffs. So, uh, you know, their value proposition for Sealer or Walker or whomever that they're looking to move, I think that changes quite a bit if they believe that they're a playoff team. It's also true that they've faced some injuries, which are making it harder for them to move. So that... That plays into things. Arizona, first half of the season, there was an outside shot that they'd be in a playoff picture, but they've been passed and lapped and and, and really put aside. And now Jason Zucker is definitely going to move. Matt Dumba is definitely going to move. I mean, as far as I can tell, I should add a qualifier. I, I don't see the future, but I feel confident those trades are going to happen. Um, and, you know, maybe even to Winnipeg. Like, that's a possibility. So I think the bubble races are are really important to watch. We saw the perhaps the best trade deadline deal that Winnipeg ever made happen in part because they knocked the St. Louis Blues down a peg and they were able to pry Paul Stastny out of a market that had probably started the season thinking that they were going to make the playoffs. Um, so these are the types of uh, types of things to watch and circumstances do dictate. Um, just to add one thought on that, you talk about Calgary and I think that they continue to be a place that will sort of kick off the dominoes just like they were moving Elias Lindholm. I think Winnipeg was in on Ilias Lindholm, and I think Sean Monaghan was a pivot there. We might see the exact same sort of thing happen with Chris Tanev being the first domino to fall and then teams needing to pivot from there. You know, I do want to plug uh, your uh, employers, The Athletic, obviously. I'm a, uh, a loyal subscriber, love the, mostly the content you put out, but listen, there's so much else there. But um, Eric Dehacek, who we remember with his incredible career covering the National Hockey League, has a piece on... You know, the situation of Winnipeg and, uh, you know, you'll see the picture of Eddie Olchuk there on the uh, the screen talking about things that doomed the team in 1996, looming large again, you know, from an outside of the market perspective. Um, you've got a piece on uh, Bettman's visit yesterday, and uh, I'm sure now moving on from today, what many of uh, conversations have been off ice, um, fill us in on uh, what's cooking with Marat heading into a next week in the trade deadline that we can look forward to in the athletic. Yeah, I think the trade deadline coverage is going to be first and foremost. That just makes sense. Um, I'm going to be poking around uh, the idea of players with term. Uh, I'll be looking at forwards as well, just in case there's fits there, because I covered a lot of defensemen in this week's piece. I think it went up on Monday. So that's going to be first and foremost. I've got a story, uh, a couple of stories about players that I'm looking for the right time for. I'm, I got a feature that I care a lot about that, uh, that I'm really, really pushing amongst editors and that 
but we might have to wait for the trade deadline to, to pass on that. We've also recruited a whole bunch of who says no style trade proposals. And I've been talking to agents and things like that, getting their impressions of whether Winnipeg Jets fan uh, proposals for, for some of these players we've been talking about are realistic or not or what the best fits are. And I can't wait to share that one. Murat, always a great conversation. Thanks so much for doing this, man. Have a great night. You know, you just try to get rid of me. I'm so sorry for messing up with time. I just want to echo one more thing, right? Like we talked about the the season ticket situation right off the hop and you gave your impressions, you shared your employment situation uh, in the 90s working for the Moose. Like folks out there, I hope you appreciate how fortunate you are to have Hustler's impact on this. No one will have a better view from a fan perspective, member of the media as well. And having worked on the inside in this specific industry, you're getting insights from a very uniquely well-positioned person. And Huss, I just, I got to say that. I hope you'll forgive me. And, and, and now you can get rid of me as you see fit. Oh, you are too kind, my friend. You're too kind. I really do appreciate that. And I always appreciate you jumping on with us here on WST. Cheers, my friend. Cheers, Huss. Thanks so much. There is Murata Tesh. We are going to, uh, I'm actually really looking forward to this next conversation. We're going to get uh, Drew McIntyre from the Moose, not the winner of the Elimination Chamber on the weekend, uh, to uh, speak about uh, goaltending. We want to talk about the season that Thomas Millage has happened. Uh, just before we do that, a quick word from our friends over at Little Brown Jug. You train day in and day out, learning new techniques, approaching new concepts, and living out the thrill of achieving your goals. Building a craft beer is no different. While you spend your hours on the ice, we spend ours here, brewing our trademark beer. Again, again, and again. Here's to pushing the status quo and challenging ourselves to build something memorable. 1919 by Little Brown Jug. Have to uh, crack an LBJ after the show today. It's uh, always a good time for one of those. Um, Hey, I, I also want to thank Princess Otto um, you know, Princess Auto is such a big part of our community. We've talked a lot about commitment to Winnipeg, and um, I'm not sure we could be uh, blessed with a, a greater community citizens than the folks at Princess Auto for what they're doing for us, as well as the entire sporting community. And, of course, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. We are fired up to get to Princess Auto Stadium this year and the Princess Auto tailgate party to cheer on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. In the meantime, Princess Auto proudly headquartered right here in Winnipeg, founded in Winnipeg with two locations where you'll find uh, the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Pop by and see them, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West. You can always shop online 24-7-365. A stick tap to the gang down at Royal Sports, Winnipeg's number one sports superstore. Gang, as we look ahead to whiteouts in the playoffs, great time to head down to Royal and maybe add to your Jets merch or maybe grab that new jersey you've been waiting on. Uh, Royal has the biggest and best selection of Jets everything, not to mention Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Jays and Major League Baseball with the season around the corner. So much more. And, of course, the biggest and best hockey selection in town. Pop by and see him, 750 Pemina Highway. And, of course, you can always... Check them out on Instagram at uh, Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. Uh, all right, let's uh, welcome in Manitoba Moose goaltending coach and former Moose netminder Drew McIntyre to WST. Drew, what's up? It's great to have you on the show. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. How uh, how are things uh, with the uh, with the Moose these days? Um, you know, it was it was a real tough start to. 
2024, and, and you know as well as anyone, the ups and downs of the American Hockey League, the forces that kind of can help or hinder a club. Um, but it seemed like the team got back to playing the way that they were hoping to and getting some results as well in this dogfight to try to climb into that final playoff spot and be playing some playoff hockey. Yeah, it, you know, we've, we've faced our adversity, that's for sure. Uh, that, that little, well, long stretch was really tough. Uh, but really proud of the, the group, um, you know, here in the coaches room, but also the, the group of players that stuck with it. And, uh, yeah, we climbed ourselves out of, out of that and had a heck of a road trip. Um, now we're home for a little bit before we hop on the road again. So uh, we need to finish this homestand off, off well and then have do what we did on the last road trip. Yeah, we've got some games coming up on the weekend, including the eSports Day. I'm telling Remus he needs to go into the tournament and see if he can go toe-to-toe with the 12- and 13-year-olds that will probably be kicking everyone else's butt. Uh, we'll have uh, some more information on that. But by the way, gang, if you haven't already signed up for the mailing list or check out the website, do that, and you might be able to win some tickets to see the Moose coming up this weekend. Um, Drew, first of all, how are you enjoying coaching and uh, the uh, the role you have right now with the Manitoba Moose organization uh, handling, uh, you know, some young netminders? Yeah, I love it. It's uh, it, it seemed to be a pretty natural progression for me. Um, 18 years of playing, uh, you know, so it was a great way to transition out of that. Uh, still preparing for every game, just not doing all those things uh, with my body. <laughs> so preparing a totally different different way. Um, and then I also get to work with our prospects and I also get to scout for the draft. Um, so it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I've been, uh, you know, I've learned so much each year and now here year three of doing it, uh, doing this job. It's, uh, you know, been this, I've learned so much from, from now, uh, from then to now for sure. Um, well, and, and, you know, it's a, a unique position right now and, and probably this is similar each and every year, but working with, young goaltenders cutting their teeth as pros for the first time. Um, we wanted to sort of dive in on the season that Thomas Millich has had and had that incredible junior career, um, did pretty much everything at the junior level, represented Canada nationally, um, and then picked in the draft, joins the hockey club, plays a little bit in the uh, East Coast League, and now getting some more time in the American League. I mean, first off, speak to, if you would, the... Uh, stepping up into the pro ranks and the challenges for a young man that's had great success at the junior level and then starting anew in, uh, you know, the pay-for-play world. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's not easy. Um, and it's not always easy to handle success. Uh, we always talk about adversity and everything, but it's also not easy to handle success. Uh, he had a heck of it, a heck of a lot of it uh, in junior. And last year he had a lot of it. Um, but... You know, he went through the draft twice, um, so he knows that nothing's going to come easy to him. Nothing's going to be given to him. Um, that was, you know, through our through our interview process uh, for the draft, we, we knew that he was going to be ready to go. Uh, we knew he was going to be a great pro. And uh, he's shown us that because we, we send him to Norfolk and he, he had an exceptional mindset, uh, attitude towards the whole thing. And he went there with, you know, wanting to learn, just soak up everything. Everything was a good experience. Uh, I was able to show him some some good learning experiences, you know, even from his failures when he did, when some things didn't go the way he wanted them to down there. But he played really well for them, uh, made the all-star team. 
and uh, got to play in the All-Star game. So a really cool experience for him. Uh, Norfolk's been a great organization to send our guys to. And uh, and then we're in this, uh, you know, we were in the position that we were with the big, long losing streak, and uh, we thought it was time to bring him up, and uh, he really, really helped us a lot to get out of that. What are the biggest challenges for a young netminder making the uh, the jump from uh, juniors to the pros, especially when it's a competitive environment, there's a bunch of guys looking for time in the ice, um, and you might not be the starting goaltender right off the bat in the American League like was the case with Thomas this year. Yeah, and that's a new experience for him. So you need to you need to have that open mindset that, uh, you know, you got to be able to, to roll with the punches. Uh, you got to be able to, you know, fight adversity but also just be patient you know like you might you might sit on sit on the bench or whatever for a while but when we call your name you got to be ready um because you know there's lots of guys there for your job but uh it's also just being a pro uh on and off the ice uh preparing yourself it's not up to your goalie coach every time to prepare you perfectly you got to be ready to go when we call your name so um those type of things and living on your own and uh cooking your own meals not having anybody to do it for you and uh, all, all those type of things that are the same for all you know junior to pro players uh it's not easy but um you know i think sending him to norfolk was a good transition to help him learn the pro game and you know it be it helped him to be more ready when he got the chance with us Hey, I've got to ask you, uh, how's our pal and your old teammate uh, Bomber doing as a part of the coaching staff? You having some fun on the bus with Nolan? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we uh, we get to hang out all the time, and uh, he's a, he's a heck of a coach, uh, just like he was a player. But uh, yeah, we have a lot of fun. Um, you know, mix in a little Mike Keen in there, and you, uh, <laughs> get, you it's an entertaining room. No doubt about that. He just, I, I'm sure people would be interested. As a goaltending coach, um, you're specifically working on goaltending and with the goalies, but how does how does it work, you know, throughout the season when it comes to game planning? I mean, outside individually working with the netminders, which is a very unique skill, um, how does it work with, you know, with yourself and Nolan and Mark when it comes to everything else that goes with being a coach at the pro level? Yeah, you know... I stay in my lane. Like I, I don't overstep and I, I'm not always, you know, telling them everything about other goalies, that, you know, because at the, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we have certain things that we do that we need to do to score on any goalie. Uh, you know, we need to get traffic. We need to get in their eyes, you know, all those type of things that every team tries to do. We, we try to do those as well, but there are some certain things that, uh, you know, I pre-scout the other team's goalies and, you know, I, I tell them just, just a couple things, just one or two things that, Hey, we really, this guy's got really poor rebound control. If you're coming wide, uh, you know, on a low angle, you can really create a rebound over there. You know, those type of things. Uh, some players don't really want to know anything about that stuff, but some people, are, some of them are always, you know, coming up to me and saying, okay, what do we do on this guy? You know, would this work on that guy? So, so I talk to the players. I let them know that I'm I'm a resource, but I, you know I'm not always uh, getting in their ear, trying to talk to them all the time about it. Hey, um, you know, being a goaltending coach at the AHL level for an organization, 
that has the goaltending tandem that the Winnipeg Jets have right now. I'm interested in how much you uh, get a chance to see Connor Hellebuck and Loren Brassois work and, um, you know, what that might do for a young goaltender like Thomas Millich that can, uh, you know, look just down the hall in the same building and see, well, the leaders right now for the Jennings Trophy and a guy that very well might win another Vesna. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, it's great. It's a it's a very easy uh, example to show them. Um you know, so it's it's right at their fingertips. They can go go to the games and watch. They, you know, we don't we don't always uh, share the same rink. Sometimes they're downtown. We're we're uh, we're at the practice rink. So vice versa. So we're not always every day together or anything. But but um, you know, and we go on some pretty long road trips. But yeah, they're right there at their fingertips. So um, you know, what I try to tell these guys is any resource is a, is a good one, you know, to learn from. And, you know, when we have somebody like that uh, to watch, you know, the two of them, um, you know, so the biggest thing with most of these young goalies is they have to be very, they have to have, add a structure to their game. They have to be, they, you know, no matter how, what size you are or how athletic you are, you need to play a, an efficient game if you want consistent results. So nobody better to show that, you know, as an example, as Helly, uh, you know, he's the smartest goalie in the world and, you know, keeps it very simple, but that gives him his consistency uh, to play well and give his team a chance every single night. So it's a pretty easy example for me to just say, look what Helly does there. <laughs> I can imagine Drew McIntyre with us. Drew, uh, you know, the team had that great comeback win last Saturday and then some days off, uh, just heading into uh, the back-to-back matinees against Texas on the weekend. Uh, how's the feeling around the club? And uh, the guys must be fired up to get right back out there and kind of trying to continue this push up the standings to uh, snag a playoff spot. Yeah, for sure. It's getting left. Uh, well, we're in that real fun part of the year. Um, Keener was saying that at practice today, um, you know, just that it's, you know, March, March, April uh, here, you know, we're going to be playing in March. Uh, so that's, that's the real fun stuff, you know, March and April. Uh, that's, that's basically when it's playoff hockey, we're in a playoff race. Um, so, you know, what else, what else can we ask for as far as this is a great chance for these young players to see what they're made of in a, in a pro playoff uh, type of race. Drew, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, good luck to the squad and uh, continued success with the Moose and uh, helping Thomas Millich and the rest of the young goalies in the organization take that next step. I appreciate it. All the best. Thanks for having thanks, me. Thanks for doing this. There's Drew McIntyre. Man, loved watching Drew back when he was part of the club uh, back in the 06, 07 season, 07, 08. Those are some good teams. And uh, he certainly carried the mail for uh, for the Moose for a good period of time. Uh, some great characters on that team, though, and I look back as well. And, of course, Nolan Baumgartner was there for a while, but I was right during the Jason Jaffrey era as well, and the Lee Gorin, Nathan Smith. It was a uh, it was definitely a fun time, and uh, great to see him uh, thriving and obviously being a big part of a, an organization that uh, certainly at the NHL level has top-notch elite goaltending and hopefully trying to create some more as the Manitoba Moose uh, season continues. Don't forget... Go to the website for your chance to win tickets to the games on the weekend. Um, we will get to the cool bet lines in a minute. Uh, only two games tonight, but tomorrow is a big one. Jets and the Dallas Stars in Dallas. Um, 
uh, normally I would say, albeit BP, we're actually going to be tied up down at the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame for everyone that jumped on tickets to our sold-out whiskey event with the Canadian Club and the Winnipeg Whiskey Festival. But if you aren't joining us, the next best place will absolutely be Boston Pizza. The bars should be rocking with the game on the big screen with big sound, ice-cold schooners, world-famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, and hopefully serving up another two points for the Winnipeg Jets. Pop by your local BP for all Winnipeg Jet home games or just to get together with the gang to have a great time and uh, watch whatever's happening around the National Hockey League. Um, and I, I did mention, we made a little a couple wrestling cracks right off the top of the uh, of the show. Uh, AEW, actually today's Wednesday night, AEW's on. I think they're really thriving right now on Canadian television at their highest ratings ever last week, I heard, on TSN. Um, but we're going to be hosting the live event on April 10th. Uh, tickets available at Ticketmaster right now to uh, see the stars of All Elite Wrestling. And, um, oh, we're just hearing that the date has been changed? Yeah, they just announced... Um, Breaking news. Yesterday, yeah, it's now May 1. It's now May 1, so if you've purchased tickets, they're valid, but if you can't attend, you have until Tuesday to request a refund. So well, it's now we, um, it's now May one. All right. Uh, well, thank you for that update, Remus. I was not aware. It just so, like literally just just got rescheduled. This is breaking news. Um, but we're still going to be there. It'll still be a great show, and we'll still look forward to seeing you. And we'll still have tickets to give away on Winnipeg Sports Talk. It'll just give us an extra three weeks or so to get ready for the big day, and hopefully that'll be a nice off day for the Winnipeg Jets in the middle of what should be uh, hopefully a really fun and exciting long run. Again, Ticketmaster and uh, AEW online for uh, more information on all of that. All right, let's get to the cool bet lines and a little bit of a slow night tonight in the National Hockey League. We had nine, a dozen games last night. <clears throat> oh, and Reem, I have to give a shout out. I know there's a few lock shoppers that are with us. The nasty chat parlay came through last night at 11 to 1. So the crew is quite happy. Anyone that jumped on it got a very nice payout. And uh, if you're looking at these games tonight, you got two of them. Um, Blue Jackets Rangers meeting. Will it be a rematch? Uh, will Rempe try to avenge his first loss on the fight card in the National Hockey League? I guess we'll see. Blue Jackets plus 200 underdogs. Rangers minus 241. And uh, this could mean a lot for the St. Louis Blues tonight. They uh, lost last night in Winnipeg. They're right back at it tonight against the Edmonton Oilers, who are coming off a big win against the LA Kings. And I did hear Jeff Merrick speculate that if the Blues lose this game, this could really put the Blues into sell mode right now. Um, not a lot of runway for St. Louis to get back into this mix, especially considering the trade deadlines next week, Reem. Yeah, really curious what they're going to do. I've seen a lot of people speculating on Pavel Buchnevich being traded, but from our conversation yesterday with Andy Strickland, it's sounding like unless there's some crazy offer that blows uh, the doors off the Blues GM. Yeah, he not- said two first-round picks. Yeah, so <clears throat> I don't think that doesn't sound like that's going to happen. We'll have to wait and see, but I know after watching the game yesterday, a lot of Jets fans in our mentions be like, oh, he would look great on on the jets but i don't think i think it's going to be too pricey he's got a year left uh so i don't i don't think they're going to they're going to move him but again blueson's all horny for buchnevich uh, dusty said that tonight there'll be 18,000 scouts at the games looking at buchnevich <laughs> trying to make I, things happen with I the uh, 
So I thought they were getting Jake Gensel in Edmonton. I thought that was the plan. Oh, they're getting him too. Oh, him too. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everyone is going to Edmonton. Uh, that's, uh, that's that's basically the word on the street out there. Um, you know, it's hard to think about the Jets being in the mix for a player like that just because they've already made a significant move, traded their first-round pick for uh, for Sean Monahan. I think it's highly unlikely the Jets would trade their first-rounder for 2025, which is thought to, at least right now, be a stronger draft than this year's. And I think there's a lot of prospects that they are very excited about bringing into the fold that probably aren't too keen about uh, about moving on. And if you're talking about a player like Bushnevich, especially with another year at $5.8 million on his contract, um, it's going to be much more than a first-round pick. I think certainly that's the ask from St. Louis, and they're not going to be pushed into into trading him. But uh, this game tonight... Oilers minus 284 faves, St. Louis plus 235. I think McDavid goes off tonight, and I would love for it to happen because it will be at the expense of Jordan Binnington. Maybe he'll lose it tonight. Um, But it's been a minute since, uh, well, not a minute, 10 games since Connor McDavid scored. He seems to get two or three assists every night. McDavid's minus 108 to score. Over one and a half goals was four to one. It's now plus 395. And listen, I think when one comes, I think a bunch are going to come. I, I, I might even have a little fun with the McDavid hat trick tonight, or at least over one and a half, because as they say, when when he breaks the dam, I think there's going to be a bunch coming right behind. Yeah, I've been you know thrown down on him to score, too. You think it's going to come, it's going to come, and uh, I'm not sure what's going on with the goal. He's certainly racking up a lot of assists, and I think the media has been asked what asked him, and he's like, "No, I'm not trying to score. I'm just trying to get assists." Like jo- jokingly, like they're having some some fun there. Not you know, into how, scoring anymore. Yeah, not into scoring. So, uh, well, I think you know McDavid to score, sure, and I kind of agree. So I don't think that's that's bad. It's still, I mean, he hasn't scored in how many games? He's still minus one hundred eight to score. It's kind of funny. Uh, it just shows you how good of a player he is. Where you can be, you know, minus still a favorite to score, even if you haven't. Well, and for a long time, the Dreisaitl goal numbers were actually shorter than uh, McDavid goal numbers. And uh, Dreisaitl's plus 101, even money to score. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, the EST fellas have some, uh, what do they have for the Edmonton Sports Talk Parlay tonight? Okay, two points for McDavid, a goal for Dreisaitl, a point for Bouchard, and the Oilers to win in regulation plus 475. Uh, they've banged off a couple winners lately. I mean, really kind of focusing on those players and Oilers wins. So maybe we'll jump on that today. And by the way, tomorrow is the Cognizant Classic, which is the former Honda. Today's lock shop, we sort of made our favorite picks for the uh, for the event. But we did do a make-the-cut parlay. Uh, Keith Mitchell, Killa Keith, Shane Lowry, Sung J M, Canadian Adam Svensson, Ashke Batia and my man, the Gim Reaper, Doug Gim, all to make the cut. That is plus 575, uh, 16 to 1 on any Canadian player to win. And uh, Pete Greggy's got one as well. Maddie Fitzpatrick, Adam Svensson, and Shane Lowry all to get in the top 20. That one is at 28 to 1. That is in the golf boosted odds specials over at CoolBet. If you haven't already, use the promo code WST when you make your first deposit. Hook you up with a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks over at CoolBet. And on tomorrow's lock shop for you curling heads, I will be going through the Briar odds 
and making our picks on the outrights for the Montana's Briar, which gets underway this weekend. Should maybe get Ted on for a little preview of that, actually, over the next couple days before they throw their first rocks. Yeah, recap the Scotties. That would be a, that's always great talking curling uh, with Ted. And yeah, the, Mon- the Montana's Briar now. I, like, I can't keep up with all these sponsors. I, I st- still call it the Labatt's Briar, but that's, that's a long time. It's <laughs> a long time ago. Although I did enjoy, I was using a lot of Scotty's uh, toilet paper over the weekend and paper towel. So sponsors, they do work, Hus, those sponsorships. Nice. They had that cute little Scotty's ad as well where that little girl's like pretending to curl, <laughs> rolling the rolls of toilet paper. Maybe I, that's <laughs> a, that would be a fun game to play with Evan and the kids. Toilet paper, I, toilet paper roll curling. You know, for so long, I thought. Grow this- the game. I thought the Scotty's term it was like named after someone named Scotty, and only recently <laughs> did I did I realize it was for paper towel and toilet paper. So the spot again, those sponsorships they work. So Montana's Montana's Briar. Now, not the Tim Hortons or Labatt. Was there any other ones I'm missing out on? This is a, that's always a fun game. Well, there is. I know. I did the show there from Toronto last year at that Princess Auto Players Cup. Yeah. Um, but that is one of the Grand Slam uh, yeah, events no. of curling. I believe the Pinties, Pinties Grand Slam of yeah, curling. There you go. Eat well, well live well. <laughs> Who can remember Jeannie Bouchard's amazing, <laughs> amazing Pinties commercials back in the day? She's gotten a lot better on TV since then. Yeah, I was just talking about the like the Briars, the premier, like it's a men's Canadian championship. So Montana's now. Has got for Montana's. I'm surprised that Tim Hortons walked away. I am from, surprised from you know the uh, the biggest curling event. But uh, Scotty's has been with the women. I will admit, I like the Scotty's more than the Briar. I love them both, mm-hmm. but to me, that there, there's a lot more. This is so endless, and maybe it's selfishly because of just how amazing our Manitoba women are. I mean, we had four of the six playoff teams coming from our province. And again, congrats again to Jen Jones, who finished up that incredible Hall of Fame career. In case you're wondering, and again, we'll dive into picks and whatnot, but Gushu's the favorite to win at plus 150. Botcher is at plus 185. My guy, Maddie Dunstone, representing Manitoba, is the third favorite at plus 330. Uh, and don't sleep on our other pal, Reed Carruthers, Brad Jacobs. They're 30 to 1. Big long shot there. Uh, Kevin Cooey plus 525. And then pretty much everyone else, 26 to 1 or less. But hey, man, you got Brad Jacobs throwing last rock. Do not count out the Carruthers rink. Anyways, we'll dive into that tomorrow on uh, on tomorrow's lock shop. We'll also, going back and forth with Sarah, we're going to get that clip and we'll talk a little bit more um, just coming out of yesterday. And try and get that you know message to fans for Mark Chipman that was asked at the fan forum because I thought it was uh, you know important thing for a lot of people to hear. Uh, but our focus tomorrow is going to be on the Jets and the Dallas Stars kicking off this three-game road trip. The Jets will be in Dallas tomorrow night. Then adjust your schedules accordingly. Saturday, 11:30 a.m. game in Carolina for the Winnipeg Jets. And then back at it on Sunday against the Buffalo Sabres before coming back home to take on the Kraken next Tuesday at Canada Life Centre. Um, great show today. Great job on Michael Remus getting all those clips of uh, everything coming out of yesterday, both on the ice and off the ice. Always a great segment with Murata Tesh. And a big thanks to Drew McIntyre 
for joining us today on the program as well. Make sure to jump on tomorrow. It is a game day, a big game day, battle for first in the Central between Dallas and Winnipeg, and we will fire it up at 1 o'clock live on YouTube and shortly thereafter in your inbox for you podcast listeners on a big one tomorrow on Thursday. Thanks again for all the feedback. Really appreciate these so many comments over what we've been talking about for the last few days. We know how important it is to all of you. And uh, it's a big one tomorrow. We'll have our whiskey event as well at the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame. Can't wait. Uh, but first, make a point of joining us 1 p.m. tomorrow live on YouTube for another episode of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Have a great one, everyone. Oh, my God. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.